We're turning this evening to uh, this portion we've read from Acts chapter 10, a message from Peter. We're going to be essentially focusing really on the words of Peter that he spoke in this wonderful occasion. There's part of a verse here that we should perhaps inscribe or at least read every time we enter a place to listen to the word of God. Note what Cornelius says to Peter. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And I hope you're here to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded me to say. Because we don't just come to put in an hour. We are coming, I hope and pray, to deal with God. And certainly the audience that day that Peter had were intent in listening to God. Last week we noted how God had led Cornelius by the Spirit to call for Peter and how Peter, led by the Spirit, realized that he should go with this group to this place. And he begins speaking to them, as we've read this evening, about how it is completely wrong or outside the Jewish mentality that he should go into the home of a Gentile. It was forbidden. And yet Peter says, I have had no hesitation because I've been led by God. God has laid this on my heart. It is what I should do. And so he comes. And of course, there's interaction that we read, asking, why did you send for me? It brings the answer from Cornelius well. And he tells the whole story of how God led him and the vision and how he was to call for Peter who was staying at Simon the Tanner's house. And at the end of that section, he brings those words to bear. We are here to listen to what God has said. Cornelius is in no doubt at all that God has brought this servant of his to be a messenger of the truth and to speak a message that they needed to hear. Remember, Cornelius is the God-fearer. He still needs to have, if you like, be brought to that final place of trusting in the Jesus Christ as Lord. He has tried to do all by the law and good works. But as we noted last week, that could never be sufficient. And by God's grace, God is answering his prayer and bringing Peter with a message of good news. And so what is the message that Peter brings? Are you ready to listen to what Peter had to say. And it is a message of good news. Six different points to take out of this. First of all, we want to think about what Peter does at the very beginning. Because Peter, first of all, affirms that God does not show favoritism. That's where Peter starts. In fact, he starts where he has been in coming here. As a Jew among a Gentiles, he has learned a lesson through the leading of the Spirit and the vision that he had about the wild animals, the unclean animals, and what God had said to him. And all of that has been important in his thinking. 
And he has come to the home of this Gentile without fear, uh, uh, following the way of God. But he affirms to Cornelius and to those who are listening that God does not show favoritism. The message of God is to be declared, he says, to Jew, to Gentile, to all alike. Whatever we might have called unclean before, we're not to call anyone unclean. If people hear this message and respond and do what is right, it matters not what they were once before. So you can imagine Cornelius in his home. This is a matter of assurance to him. Because had he been thinking that, well, the God of the Jews is their God, what real part have I in this God? He might have felt, well, really, I'm a Gentile. I'm not going to ever be good enough. But Peter, in affirming the message that God does not show favoritism, is saying to Cornelius and to all those gathered there, God will welcome you just as he has welcomed me as a Jew or others as Jews. And Peter affirms that message because it will encourage the hearers to continue to listen. And we need to take this on board for ourselves so that we are totally convinced that no one is outside the scope of God's love. God does not show favoritism to rich or poor to class or upbringing, to different colored skin. He does not show favoritism. If people hear the message and follow the word and do what is right, God will be a gracious God to them. You see, you and I need to know this, and we need to affirm it. Sometimes we're speaking to people, they'll come with all their baggage of sin, And maybe they're broken by their sin. And they'll say to you, I'm just too bad for God to save me. How could someone like me ever be accepted by God? They'll they'll go over their history. I have been a terrorist. I've done all kinds of wicked things. I've been a man of immoral behavior or whatever it may be. Or they just simply feel themselves outside of God. What are we to affirm to them? God does not show favoritism. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. God is not going to make a difference out of you if you do what is right. And so we can encourage them. And what a wonderful message of encouragement it is. It matters not what your sin has been where you have been, how you have been brought up, where you have been brought up, if you hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and embrace him who is Lord, you will be saved. Because God does not show favoritism. God is not going to say, well, actually you're too poor or you're too rich or you've been too bad. If you repent and believe the gospel, God will save you. Just he will save any other person, no matter from where they come. So Peter affirms that God does not show favoritism. Secondly, Peter affirms to Cornelius 
that God had sent the message of good news. You can just imagine Cornelius, and it seems that Peter did think that they had heard about the Lord Jesus. Note what Peter says to them. um, You know the message God sent to the people. Cornelius, you have heard people talking about this. You have heard the name of Jesus. You and your friends maybe even have been talking about what has been going on without understanding these things. And Peter is speaking of this good news. And he says, this is the news that brings peace with God. And how does it come? Well, the focus and center of the good news is Jesus Christ. He says to them, uh, you, uh, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling them the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And Peter is affirming to Cornelius that what they have been hearing about Jesus is in fact the truth that Jesus Christ indeed is the good news and through him comes peace. That was a message that needed to be affirmed in their minds. These Gentiles needed to know that Jesus Christ was the way of peace and it was through him that they would have the peace of soul that comes with God. Today, as we preach the good news, as we minister the word of the gospel, surely we need to affirm the same truth. People in our culture, people all around us from different kinds of backgrounds are being led astray by all kinds of teachings. They're being told, well, it doesn't really matter how you come to God. It will all be all right. You can believe in a multitude of faiths. You'll be okay. What are we to affirm? Surely we need to affirm to them that what they have heard about Jesus Christ, that he is the good news. That he came to bring peace with God. And he is the only one who can do it. There is no other good news. If a number of magazines called Good News were just having that pointed out before our service, the Scottish Church of their magazine called Good News, but there's others called Good News. But there's really only one message of good news. And it's focused and centered upon Jesus Christ as Lord. And today, people in our country, people in this society, sadly need to be affirmed that Jesus Christ is the only good news. And they need to be told who Jesus is. We need to instruct people today. We cannot and we should not assume that they understand that Jesus came, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, did miraculous works, died on the cross and was raised. We need to tell them who Jesus is. But we must affirm to them that he is the good news. They may have heard of him. They may have some notion in their minds. But just as Cornelius had to have this affirmed by Peter, we must affirm it to whatever else is going on in the world. There's only one message people really need, and it's called Jesus Christ. Thirdly, Peter continues to affirm 
that not only was Jesus good news, but he affirms that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. For he goes on to speak in verse 36. 38, sorry, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. And how was that evidenced? He had power. He did works of healing and doing good. And he overpowered the devil. He cut the cords of Satan from the lives of people and brought them under the power of God. The Holy Spirit, the power of God was in this Jesus Christ. For he would be the Messiah. You see Peter's leading Cornelius step by step to see Jesus had come. He's the good news. Jesus was the very power of God who had come. And you need to understand that he was not just a mere man, but he was the God man, for he overpowered Satan. And in fact, in some of his miracles, he even overpowered death itself and restored to life. The healing that Jesus did was outside the norm. It wasn't the usual way because it was done in the power of God. He was able to shatter the Satan and the devil who held people in his bonds. We think of some of the, the things we read about Jesus. The man who was possessed by the demons and was in a wild state when Jesus had finished with him, he sat at his feet, we read, in his right mind. Because Jesus had sent the devil packing and brought him to new life. And today, you might think someone who has an extraordinary ability. We can see people on our televisions and they can be portrayed as people with powerful gifts. And we think, how did they do that? But there's a great deal of fake and trickery that exp- and that will be exposed eventually. But our God sent his Son to deal with men and women. And we need to direct people to him and his power. Not some fake, not some trickery, but to the power of the Holy Spirit at work. And if we have a mind to be led by the Spirit, we will realize that Jesus is the one who came in God's power as God's Son to do mighty wonders and to die for us. People today need to be confronted by the fact that Jesus came with anointing of power from God. He wasn't just an ordinary man. Fourthly, Peter affirms that God raised Jesus from the dead. Peter doesn't spend very much time here on the death of Jesus. Just note what he says in verse 39. He says, We are witnesses of everything he did and of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. And that's, that's all Peter says. They killed him. But Peter focuses, rather, and affirms that he is a risen Lord. That, in fact, Jesus defeated death. God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. The resurrection itself is an absolutely incredible thing. Now, 
Can you put yourself in the shoes of Cornelius and some of those around him? This is beyond human, really, comprehension. Perhaps they'd even heard rumors that Jesus had been raised from the dead and passed it off as a lot of nonsense. I mean, have you ever met anyone who was raised from the dead? Have you? Have you ever met another person who has been raised? Well, we, we don't. It's just outside our human experience. When people die, they're dead, and we do not see them again in this world. To talk of someone being brought back to life is the stuff of science fiction in our day. And Cornelius might have thought like that. But Peter affirms that Jesus Christ, the one who is anointed of God, is risen from the dead. And this is tremendous news. Because it means that the death on the cross wasn't just like every other death. There was something different. He had defeated the cross. He was a man who had suffered not for his own sin, but for the sin of others. The resurrection, of course, is key to our faith. If Jesus had died and not risen, we would be as miserable as unbelievers around us and have no hope. But today, we are assured by the power of the Spirit, Jesus Christ is risen. And that's something we need also to affirm to those around us. They might think we're talking nonsense. They will not believe us. But we must tell them that Jesus is a risen Savior. And we must explain to them how it is that he did rise from the dead. Because he wasn't simply a man who was killed on a cross. He was a Savior who gave himself to death on the cross for sinners. And having borne our sin, rose to show that he had defeated death and Satan and accomplished his purpose. And even now is ascended into heaven for the glory of God. And we need to cry and get the sinners in our midst and those around us to hear and understand that Jesus is a risen Lord. He lives and he's still alive and the sovereign reigning over us. How can we be sure? How could Cornelius accept what Peter's message was? Well, Peter goes on to affirm, fifthly, God prepared witnesses of the resurrection. Wasn't something that happened uh, for a general sight, but God had prepared witnesses. Peter puts it like this. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Jesus, you see, didn't rise from the dead and float around over the earth and people all look up and say, there's Jesus. No, not at all. There was no public mass uh, exhibition of the risen Saviour. Because that wasn't God's purpose. But rather, those who had been with him in his life were chosen to meet with him as a risen Savior. Who best 
to know him than those who had been his followers. Who best to understand that this is in fact the same Christ, the same Jesus now walking again. We saw him crucified. We had followed him to that point. But here we are. We're eating with him by the sea. We have met with him as a risen Lord. And it's the same Jesus. And he says, we are eyewitnesses. And he's saying to Cornelius, look Cornelius, and you who are here gathered to hear what God would say, you might not believe what we say, but if you don't believe what we are telling you, then you're undermining all our authority and you'll believe nobody. If you think that I've been sent by God, and Cornelius, remember, had been told by God to send for Peter, then know this. I am an eyewitness of the risen Jesus. And he is a risen Lord. Peter was a witness. An eyewitness. Who could deny his account? Especially, especially when Peter, even at pain of death, went on to preach about the risen Christ. It would have been unlikely for the eyewitnesses to proclaim Jesus when they were under the threat of death and indeed did die for that message. If it had all been a made-up story and a fabrication, would they have died for it? I don't think so. But here he is, and Cornelius is listening with his friends and family to the word of the risen Saviour. And if you're a Christian, you are, in a sense, an eyewitness to the risen Christ. Because you've been brought with the eye of faith to know him as Lord and Saviour. And there's one thing that the ungodly cannot deny, and that is when you tell them about your own personal walk with God and what Jesus means to you. They can say it's a load of rubbish, they can deny it, but they cannot say to you, well, that's all a lot of, that, that doesn't, that's meaningless. If it means so much as it should to each one of us who are in Christ, that will stand as a witness and a testimony to them. And so we must declare to people that the word of God is true and that it attests and witnesses to Jesus as the risen Christ. We need to proclaim him to people today. We need to get across to people's hearts and minds that Jesus will come to them as a risen Lord if they cry out to him. And so Peter has affirmed these things. He has affirmed that God will not show favoritism. He has affirmed the message that Jesus is the good news, that Jesus was anointed, that Jesus indeed is risen from the dead, and that he is a witness to these things. In fact, appointed by God, Appointed by God to be a witness. And God actually commanded him to preach. And that's the sixth thing we want to note. Peter says to Cornelius and affirms him, actually, the reason God 
sent you or told you to send for me is because he has appointed me to be a preacher, to give this testimony as an eyewitness, to go and tell others firsthand these great truths of the gospel. Verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as the judge of the living and the dead. Cornelius, you call for me. Well, here I am, and I'm preaching the message that God has sent me to preach. God appointed Jesus as a judge of the living and the dead. And we are to go. And that's what I'm telling you here, Peter says. I'm doing the very thing that God told me to do. That's why you sent for me. What an impact that must have had on Cornelius. He had been moved by the Spirit to call Peter. Peter is now delivering the message. A message that focuses on a risen Savior. And today, when a preacher gets up to preach the Word, he comes to preach the message of God. To give witness and testimony to the truth of the living God. To call people to a personal experience of Jesus Christ, to acknowledge him as Savior and as Lord. And the people of God are to go out also, not formal preachers, but his witnesses, his ambassadors, wherever you go, to make known the living God. So Peter, setting it all out for Cornelius, What was the effect of his preaching? What happened? How do we know that Cornelius believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, surely we know because God sent the Spirit on the hearers. And isn't it absolutely wonderful to read those things that we read? That the Holy Spirit came. The the people that came with Peter were absolutely astonished. These are Gentiles. God has given us spirit. Just as we had the spirit, we see him and we hear them speaking in tongues. The testimony is there. They have believed. And there was nothing to stop Peter baptizing these people with water and welcoming them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because they had believed. If you like for Cornelius the final piece of the jigsaw, the most important pieces suddenly come into to view Jesus Christ, the good news. And all that he had done before by way of his God-fearing, law-keeping falls away. And he trusts in Jesus as Lord. And the Spirit comes upon him to the glory of God. And we must cry out for God to show mercy and to pour out his Spirit. We can preach, we can talk, we can can discuss and set before people the truth as simply and clearly as we can. But only the Spirit of God will move the soul of sinful men. I speak to myself. I don't pray enough For the Spirit of God to be at work convincing and converting sinners. And that's what we should be doing. We need to make that our prayer again and again 
and again. That we might see the Spirit poured out. How will we see that? We'll not hear them speaking in tongues. But we will see lives changed. We'll see people who had no time for God wanting to read the Bible and come to Bible study and join in the praise of his name to be one of all the nations who will sing to the glory of God. What a message and what a powerful result. Let us pray that in these days God in mercy might yet pour out his Spirit. And let us go on to do as Peter did and affirm the message. There's no favoritism. The message is of Christ the good news. It is a one who is anointed by the Spirit. He is one who has risen from the dead. He has prepared you and me as witnesses. We are to go out and proclaim him. And may the Spirit of God be at work.